Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. children who just cannot get a place in school. Time and time again I've heard from parents on this show whose children have had additional needs struggling to find them a place in a school close to where they live. Uh, The mother of 11-year-old twins with autism who have been denied appropriate schooling has said she is devastated by the news that the boys will once again not have a school to go to this September and she joins me on the air. Gillian Milne, good afternoon to you. Hey Niall, how are you? This is, I, when I read this story, I actually found it difficult to believe because constitutionally your children are entitled to an education. So how long have your 11-year-old boys been without an education now? Well, Niall, the boys are 11, as you said, and they have been without an education for at least six years now. So they should have been in school from the age of five. My God, that's... That's just incredible. So every year you've gone through the usual routine, I imagine, of trying to sign them up, getting them, I, I assume it's SNA because they have autism. I'm assuming it's to try to get them an SNA, et cetera, et cetera, or the, the hours they need, the extra hours they need because they would need a lot of one-to-one attention. Well, it's I, actually, Niall, it's a special school that the boys need. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more difficult okay. because there's not a lot of them around. So um, that's the difficult part. So you don't have to look for the SNAs or that type of thing. You've really just got to find the school, the school and apply for it. That will, you know? and, and what's the problem with these schools? Are they full or do they Absolutely. just... Absolutely. Yeah. Full to capacity. So, and, and they also have different types of arrangements. So, like, we live, you know, not far from an amazing special school. Yeah. And we've applied there every year, unfortunately, like a five-minute walk for us. And we just can't get the boys in. Um, you know... And is, is it the physical, I mean, I, I don't want to obviously name the school or anything like that, but mm. is it the physical building is not big enough or is there just not the funding for, for enough teachers well, for that school? I or? think for this school it, would, it could be funding, but like the physically, looking from, as a parent's point of view, you can see that there's land there. So you ask yourself, you know, Porticabins. Easily put these things, exactly. Yeah, you know, we, we used to like, have that when I was in school. I was in the porticabins out the side, they're still, yeah. They're still there. We used to call them prefabs. Prefabs, you know, like that's things. right. That was the you know, name we called them. You know, that's going back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, why can't, you know, apparently these things can be dropped on site now and put up in two days, you know? Yeah, you bit want of plumbing, bit garden, of heating. Yeah, it doesn't do cost much. You do in 24 hours. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't do it for, say, this local school. And you've got these, you know, things against you. So when you apply to schools... You know, we're, we can only apply for schools, say, in our catchment area. So, say, I applied to a school on the Navin Road. Mm-hmm. Straight away, I got a, a message back, if, you know, a letter said, sorry, your children haven't been given uh, put on the waiting list because it's not your catchment area. Mm-hmm. But, on the other hand, you have to go through what's called a CNO. I'm familiar. I have a daughter who has special needs, and I know what the CNO is all about, okay. getting the hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so the Ceno, you know, can assist you in, in, you know, helping you find these places. Mm. Now, it's okay for the Ceno to find a place miles away from your house and put your child in that. And you have to accept that. But if you apply for a school outside your area, you're told, no, sorry, you can't. You're not in the area. So over the last six years, they're identical twins, by the way. They are, Uh, yeah. yeah, And over the last six years, 
I mean, what have they been doing or what have you been doing? Because obviously they need some form of education. So and right. that, I'm not blaming you, by the way. I'm blaming the oh, state God. here because the state yeah. has a duty and a responsibility and you have a constitutional right as a parent to make sure your children are educated. And yeah. they have a, a constitutional right, particularly after we had a referendum to protect children only five years ago. The right. state has a, a responsibility to make sure they're educated. So what ha- in the last six years, what education have they got, if any at all? So on and off, what we've had is what we call, and I'm sure you know this as well, home tuition. Yeah. So for children with special needs, you can apply from the age of two and a half to have a home tutor until a, sco- a suitable school placement is found for you. Mm. So, you know, you get these errors. It's tough to get these errors, by the way, you know, even to get the CNO to sign off on them. You know, they want to be sure that you have to prove you've applied for places. You've got to show where you've, you know, where you've, where you've applied and show the letters of say, you know, you're not successful. So you do all that every year in August. And you wait, hopefully, fingers crossed with everything, that this, you know, will sign off your letter and you'll get your errors. Mine and Kyle are twins, but they're treated as one and a half children, by the way. So, you know, for your and average why, child, why, why are they treated as one and a half? Because, well, you, because you can use the same tutor for both? Is that the argument, I suppose? Is no, it? the argument is that it's like for everything. So you get 20 errors a week for one child, home tuition. Say four errors a day, you can use it Monday to Friday. When you've got twins, you get 30 hours a week. And by the way, we had 20 hours a week for the first few years. And we were more or less told we were privileged then to get the extra 10 hours. And why why do they only give you a half of the second child? Is it because they figure, well, we're sending a tutor out to you so the other child can benefit from that too at the same time or something like that? Or what's you know, the argument? Denial, it, there is no, like that, that, like our, that's our argument is like, you know, why not 20 hours each? But it's like yeah. everything. Ryan and Kyle got one and a half times speech therapy. They get, you know, it's like if you apply, you know, for certain allowances, you'll get, you know, one and a half. You don't get double. Even there, though, well, there is, certainly isn't synchronicity when it comes to the state, because if you have no. identical twins, for example, with child benefits, you get three times the amount. So so, that, exactly. so it doesn't make any sense. Their logic doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. But, you know, something, we, we, we did this anyway. And, you know, in the beginning, you're happy even to have the home tuition, you know, someone just to take a bit of the weight off you Absolutely. as parents. Yeah. Um, and as they get bigger, it gets harder. So... In the beginning, the boys, you know, the home tutor, who's now, by the way, become literally like the third parent in our house. You know, she's eight years now on and off with the boys. Yeah. And so she'd come into the house and when they were younger, you know, you're able to get them to, you know, put one in a room at a time and she'd teach them little puzzles. And don't forget, Ryan and Kyle have a global developmental delay. So they're like, you know, they might be 11 in body, but their but they're cognitive, yeah, they're cognitive exactly much nowhere younger. near that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're doing little puzzles and bits and pieces and they accept that. But then as they get a bit bigger, they kind of associate, well, hang on, this is home. They start to understand a little. So this is the sitting room where we watch TV and, you know, that's the kitchen we have our dinner. So then they're getting bigger and they're getting stronger and they don't want to. It's kind hard. Of, you're it kind is. of pulling a school desk yeah. in your sitting room and expect them to understand, you know what, when this lady's here, you've got to learn but when she's not here you can watch TV and do go on your iPad and you know It's like, it's like people who remote work I suppose it's sometimes it's, exactly. it, they always say you should do it in a room you don't normally use because it's hard to exactly. disconnect you know the and two Yeah, Exactly and we've, we've, we've tried that so you know we had you know say we've, we've three rooms downstairs kitchen, dining room and sitting room so we tried you know making the, the dining room into a little school area but the thing is they hear noises. They'll hear, you know, they'll they'll hear next door going. The doorbell rings. The car, yeah. The yeah. doorbell rings exactly, and they get up off the chair. Now, as it is, the lads have autism, but they've ADHD, they've sensory processing disorder, they've PICA, they've OCD, they've a lot of complex needs, you know. And apart from all that, I have one lad that gets up most mornings at three a.m. 
So that's when our day starts. And for you and your partner, um, that it must be very difficult. I mean, what's you, if you could give me kind of an outline for people maybe who don't have a real understanding of this of what your day is like. Oh, yeah. I mean, what normal with the exception of getting up at three o'clock in the morning, which I'm mm. sure is very very difficult. On average, what time do they do you get up in the morning? At? That 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 is the average. Three so in the morning. Right now, I'm my husband. We we it's like tag team in our house. We're lucky to see each other throughout the day. So they're identical twins, but they're chalk and cheese. So Kyle got up this morning at two forty a.m. Oh my! And when he Kyle is very and he's wide awake like at two forty. He's, he's literally. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the day. <laughs> I'm ready for the day. Yeah. yeah. So. And also, you're trying to let the rest of the house, you know, keep him quiet downstairs, which I'm not going to lie to you, it's next to impossible, because he's an absolute noise machine. You're thinking, you know, neighbours, and I've also got a 21-year-old boy who's an SNA in school, he's an amazing kid. You're trying to get let him get a night's sleep so he can go to work. Yeah. So, Kyle gets up at, say, 2.40. Ryan and Kyle only eat McDonald's for breakfast. They've got sensory processing disorder. Nearly everything they eat is like this orange colour, you know, chips, chicken nuggets, hash browns. That's their diet. So they're, they're, it's a certain texture so they're into, it's, yes. It's the texture, it's the colour, it's the smell, you know, it's salt. So, like, he literally, straight away, he's downstairs putting his shoes on, handing you the car So who keys. goes to McDonald's first thing in the morning? He yeah. wants to go to McDonald's. We, so we usually, we go probably twice. Right, OK. So my husband's out driving from 2.40 this morning, and he might come back at, like, say, 4 o'clock, for a break, get himself a cup of coffee with it because McDonald's now is not used to be twenty four hours. That's right. There, there was one there in Swords that was twenty four hours there. For yeah, and our our local one was as well, but that all changed. Stopped, now yeah. they don't open till seven a.m. And Kyle is, you know, he, he's hard work, and yeah. so you come back in with him, and again he flies around the house for ten minutes. Again, he's handing you the car keys. If he could, you could ha- you could hide them now, literally. And he will just stand at the door. Then he has meltdowns. He'll throw himself on the ground. He's screaming. He's hysterical. He's showing you, you know, on the iPad, he's grabbing pictures to show you McDonald's. He's trying to communicate and tell you they're nonverbal where he wants to go. Now, you either, you, you make a choice then. You say, right, I can stay here and have my arm pulled off me for the next two hours. Or I can get in the car and drive with him and let everyone else in the house try and stay asleep. Yeah. So you go. Well you, well, you, well, you have to look after your sanity and your own mental health, so you have to do what needs to be done. Exactly. You do yeah. what needs to be done. Yeah. So you drive around with him, and then, you know, 7 a.m., he'll get his McDonald's. He sits in the car in the drive to He has his McDonald's. Is then he, he's is he happy then once he has that? He's happy to have his McDonald's. Then he comes home, and then Ryan's awake. So now you've got two. So then what usually happens is Daryl's up this morning, so I'm trying to let him go back to bed so I can look after the kids and let him get some rest for a while. But and when, and when, then, do, when do you get rest, Gillian? Well, we, we take turns. So like Darren was up this morning and I'm on the go from seven o'clock and I will be lucky to get to bed. Last night we got to bed at a quarter to twelve and Kyle got up at 2.40. How we can, are getting how, both nights at 11 How are you PM. functioning on two or three hours sleep at night? Or maybe you know, the odd nap during the day if you I'm can. not going to lie to you, Niall. It feels like our bodies don't know any different at this stage. You know, you know but, when you have but your own idea. your own mental health must be in tatters. Oh, it, it is, yeah. It, we've struggled massively, both mm. of us. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember going to the doctor and explaining how just how desperate I felt, and she looked at me and she said to me, "You're grieving," and I was looking at her, going, "What's she talking about? Yeah. Why am I grieving? I'm not grieving." She says, "You're grieving for the child that you've lost, mm. and now you've got your child with autism, and you've a whole different life." And the sad part is, Niall, that like. 
myself and Darren, we don't get to do things together. You know, we don't get to go out for a meal. We don't get to go to family occasions. Like my mum passed away last July and she lived with us, by the way, for the last year of her life and we cared for her as well as the twins. And when she passed away, it was literally the panic of, how are we going to go to the funeral? To get the, kind of the get the funeral over and done with as quick as possible and so you get can get home back. as quick as you can, yeah. Because and yeah, I, I'm not even going to ask you, have you been on a holiday? No, no. We got married last year. That's the truth. We got married in congratulations, June. by the way. Thank you. I didn't want to get married. I I was convinced that the boys were going to speak, and it was my thing that you know what, when they speak, we'll get married and they'll understand. And you know, when they turn ten, you have to realise that. Look, I'm fairly sure it's probably not going to happen now. I'll never give up hope, but. At the same time, we wanted to be married and we wanted the boys, to, you know, to have a, a more secure future. It felt like for us to be married. Yeah. And also our oldest boy wanted us to get married. You know, it meant a lot to him. So, I'm sure it meant like, a lot to the two of you too as well, to be, to be married, to be husband like, and wife. I know a lot of, you know, the strain on our relationship has been... Just, I can only imagine. You wouldn't imagine, but I have to be honest with you. Like, I can never imagine... Our, my biggest fear in life would be something happening to Darren. Because I don't know how I would cope with the twins, and I'm sure he feels the same. It's like because you're a team, yeah, of course, yeah. Right. yeah. But it's like it takes two people, Lyle. I know. Like I've often, I, I don't know, even know health, how you're doing it with two people, to be honest. My with health you. has struggled sometimes, and say I've been in hospital. I, I've, you know, I've collapsed and I've, you know, hurt myself. I've low blood pressure, and the absolute panic. And that's where I feel sorry for my oldest boy, but George. He, but here's the thing, Gillian. You have to look after yourself because if you don't, you're no good to them, you, well, and you're no good is, to them with six foot under. So, Absolutely. so you, you need to look after yourself. But in relation to, have you been to local, I'm, uh, this is a stupid question because I'm sure you mm. have, local politicians, oh, Department of Education. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. is their response being to the fact that you've two boys with great, uh, massive special needs, uh, as yeah. we're hearing, who yeah. since the day they were meant to go to school, haven't gone to school. And those two boys, even though they may not have the cognitive age of an 11-year-old, they're well aware of what school is. They, they mm. see other kids going to school, oh, I'm yeah. sure. And they're probably wondering, why aren't we in school? Absolutely. So my boys, they did go to play school, mainstream yeah. play school. And you know, Kyle, like it, it's, it's only around the corner from our house and it's heartbreaking because Kyle pulls us back. And I mean, every day now. We have to drive past the play school and we can't let him out because if we let him out, he wants to go to school. He's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I say school, he straight away jumps in the car and he, for us to go left and right in the car, he taps us on the shoulder and he directs us to where he went to play school. And that breaks our hearts because, you know, they, they enjoyed the time that they had in play school. And I, and I know you wouldn't change Kyle or no. Ryan for the world, but I know when no. you're other looking at other kids, you know, standing at the school gate or yeah. you're driving by a school... You, that's what you wish for for your children because you but want like, them to have you know, as much of a normal life as possible absolutely but to understand Niall as well like they've been at home with us for 11 years Yeah. like for me to even go and do my weekly shop right this is I have to hide the keys in my handbag about an hour before I have to go then I go out the back door and I sneak out the side gate and over the wall and then Darren runs out locks the side gate and I jump into the car and fly out my kids have massive separation anxiety if they looked in the window and see me going, there's absolutely, like, I may as well not go. Just bedlam. Darren would, yeah. yeah, bedlam. He, he wouldn't be able, he'd be ringing me five minutes later and I'd be doing the same for him to say, listen, come back because the two of them are hysterical. Yeah. And they start arguing and pulling each other and screaming and it's just not worth it now. I don't know how, Gillian, you almost have me in tears listening to you because, you know, raising children is difficult enough. We don't get a yeah. book with them. 
But when you have children with special needs and difficulties or autism or whatever it happens to be, that adds more to it and the complications involved in that. But when I'm listening to you, not only are you dealing with that, but then you're dealing with state incompetence at the educational system, which is a disaster when it comes to children with special needs in this country. And something that's quite shameful, actually, because these are the most vulnerable types of children in society. And we can do a lot of good when they get a decent education or a reasonable education. It does help them. You know, they may not be academics. Well, we don't know, but they may not be academics or they may not be best in class or they may not ever achieve what a child... I don't want to use the word normal inverted commas with a child that doesn't have special needs. Yeah. But in saying that, it helps them through life. Absolutely. But you're getting no help. No. Well, with the exception of the home tutoring. Exactly. And like, you know, you fight for that as it is. And then it's like, you know, every September you think through the summer, you know what, this is going to be us, we're going to be there. And you want to be that mammy that's giving them their, buying them their new school bag and putting their lunch in mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, waving them off. Yeah. And, like, it's absolutely soul-destroying. You know, people think, you know, oh, they come into the house for 10 minutes and they're out on the trampoline. Like, this, these are grand. It's not a bother on them. And you're like... They don't you know see what? what you see. Of course not. They don't see or feel what we feel. And, no. like, we've been everywhere. And, you know, like, obviously, we've been on prime time now three times, highlighting how difficult and, their life And when is. you were on prime time you know, which is probably one of the most watched investigative programmes in RTE. When you were on primetime, did you not get a call the next day from the Department of Education or your local politician to say, saw you last night, we're going to sort this out, this has to stop? So, for we did in May. So we got a, a call from, and I mean a personal phone call, from Minister Josephine Madigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she phoned me directly. Picked up the phone and she was like, it's the minister. And she offered to help. And she was like, listen, I'd like you to come into the doll. I want to sit down and, you know, we want to help you to secure a place. This is absolutely shocking. We saw you on TV. We got a state apology from Michal Martin. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Mill family once again let down. So, you know, something that, that like, that gave us hope, you know. So we, we went Somebody, Somebody's taking us seriously, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And to, to get a call from the minister, you know, and for special education, you think, okay, right. So this lady's got it now. Yeah, yeah. So you go in and we had our meeting and, you know, like she was literally waiting on the step for us. And we were, you know, like couldn't believe this. And, you know, we brought the boys psychology report now because it's it's quite intricate because they've been 11 years at home. I'm sure it's so almost, I'm sure, that, I'm sure the reports are almost like a book at this stage. It is. And yeah. it's kind of, it's baby steps. So it's like, you know, let's drive to the school gate for, you know, two weeks and drive home. And then, you know, next week, let's drive to the school gate, show them the classroom door, let's drive home. It's all very complicated because of the situation. Yeah. So, you know, we chatted with her and, you know, she apologised for where we've gotten to and said, look, at, I'm going to, you know, I am going to fix this. And she said to me, I stake my reputation on it, Gillian. I will have a school place for the boys for the 1st of September. And we were just looking, you know the way you're looking in total shock, it's kind of in your head you're thinking, this is, it. is it this easy? Yeah. It couldn't be this easy. Yeah. And if it was, why are they, you know, why are we so long waiting? But, you know, we chatted and not only did the minister, you know, speak to me as a minister, she turned around and said to me, I'm speaking to you as a mother, Gillian. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got friends, I've got colleagues, people that have children with autism. I'm not saying I understand your family life, but I get it. And I promise you, I will fix this. So we came out and we were like, she said to me, can you do me a favour? Can you just give me a couple of weeks? 
And we were like, well, what's, you know, what's a couple of weeks after six what's years? A couple yeah. of weeks after six years? And we we're like, yes, absolutely. And, you know, we had a bit of a joke and I was, I said to her, and she, I was like, so a special school in our area is what we need. Yeah. And uh, I was joking. I said, no, listen, not one 100 miles away. Yeah. And she laughed and said, not at all. And that actual 100 miles away came back to bite me because over the summer, you know, when her advisor got in touch with us and we were having this Zoom call one day with members of the Department of Education and they told us they had, you know, secured a site, is what we were told, okay. for um, a new school. And I was like, when I found out where the site was, I was like, well, that's nowhere in our catchment area. And the advisor came on and he looked and said, well, you did say not a hundred miles away, Gillian. Oh, and I, you know, when you're looking going, it was actually a joke. Yeah, that wasn't, wasn't meant literally, yeah. Yeah, and we laughed about that at the time, but how and ever. Yeah. And we were kind of like, okay, right, so... Because I, and I understand, and I know there's people listening saying be thankful for small mercies, right? Exactly. But, 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 but I, but I do, do understand, because... We pushed it aside and yeah. said, you know what, look, it doesn't matter, it's a school. But people don't understand that for us. Like, Ryan and Kyle can't travel in the same car. No, 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 and, and, and that's why I'm saying I do understand what you're yeah. saying that everything to them if, if people listening today can imagine everything that your child does wrong magnify yeah. it by a hundred Exactly. And, and that's the situation you're dealing with you, and look we're all used to having two or three kids in the back of the car pouring yogurts over each other and, and boxing exactly. the heads off each other you know? but mine are different you know? yeah. so they, they've no understanding so they're taking off seatbelts climbing across each other you know so we travel separately everywhere and well Darren had to give up working you know he's on carers alone yeah. And you see the cost of living obviously has changed. Even petrol for us to now have to travel down the M1, you know, twice a day to get the lads to this new place and back. But again, we pushed it all aside and went, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers here. We'll sacrifice. Place, yeah, we'll sacrifice. We'll, we'll manage. Somehow we will manage because it's for the kids and that's what's most important for us. So, and then we got a letter out saying, from again, from the minister's office saying, you know, we drove out of this site and we're kind of thinking, we don't see this being ready for September. Again, we were told we were wrong. Got a letter, you know, formally t- offering us this school placement. Again, we don't know who the patron of the school is. We've asked several times now. And again, we're told it will be ready for August 2022. So that's all we really needed to hear. We were like, OK, happy days. So... Julian, and I'm sorry because I'm coming up to the break and, I, and I, w- I could talk to you all day because I know there's, and there's parents listening all over the country with children with special needs who can identify somewhat what you're saying, obviously not to the extreme that you've gone through, but have children with special needs and are trying desperately to get them a place. I only spoke to a mother the other day and a child who has special needs couldn't even get a place on a school bus. Um, but yet other children who didn't have special needs could. Uh, but, but in saying that, so where, what's the story with them now? So the story is now they're still at home now. And again... Um, the minister who who brought us into her office basically just didn't even make a phone call to us and say, listen, there's a delay in the school. You know, listen, I got things wrong. I misjudged it. It's going to be a bit longer. I, w- I would have respected her for that. So I was asked to go back on prime time last week. And while I was sitting in RTE, they got an update that told us that the school would probably be the end of October. Probably be. Well, then... That, 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 could, was, that could mean November. Exactly. Well, don't forget we, we don't Halloween know. midterm yeah. as well. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. you know what I mean? 
And, and from look, that, no, look, I mean, at this stage, the delays aren't good enough. And, and the very yeah. fact that, look, you know, the, I know you said not 100 miles away, but God knows exactly. how far it is. And I don't want to identify where the school is, but, mm. but it's far enough away for it to cause problems for you. But look, it you're is. willing to deal yeah. with that and yeah. give it a go. But We're in the interim, you should be able to get a place to hear. Listen, Gillian, your story is absolutely awful to listen to. And I'm sure there's parents all over the country who can identify to some degree, not obviously to the extreme that you've gone through for six years. And I really, really wish you well. And I hope the minister gets back to you. And I hope the minister is listening today. And um, and I hope that other ministers and other TDs are listening. And obviously, they've got people in their areas with similar problems. Maybe they can help them as well. Because I, I, think, it's, I think it's an eye-opener for everybody. Well, if I can just say one last thing. If it doesn't change our life, we just hope that it may change the life for another family that doesn't have to go through what we've is. Yeah. Because... They're amazing kids. They're absolutely yeah. amazing. And yeah. thanks for having me on now. Gillian, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you telling your story and I hope thank it helps you. other people too. Listen, Gillian, thank you very much indeed. What a shocking, shocking story. Gillian Milne, her children, twins with special needs, with autism. Um, and they haven't had proper schooling since they were meant to get proper schooling at the age of five or six. Uh, they're now 11-year-old twins. And that is shocking. Absolutely shocking. The Department of Education should be ashamed of themselves. Every child, remember, of course, if you're in this position, every child in this country has a constitutional right to an education. That is it. And that doesn't mean a school a million, 100 miles away, particularly if you've got children with special needs. You're, obviously, your circumstances must be taken into consideration in those circumstances because people should have an understanding of that. By the way, maybe you've been in that situation. Please let us know. We would like to hear from you. The number is 087-188-0008. Have you had children with special needs and you just cannot get them a place in school? Let us know. We want to hear your story. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. Not I'm in exactly the same situation myself, but probably not as bad as Gillian. But my children do have special needs. Uh, two years now I've been trying to get them into a school and it is a complete and utter disaster unless we're willing to drive approximately 100 miles. Uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, let me just go to Jessica. Jessica, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jessica? Hi, uh, Now, Jessica, your six-year-old has been left in preschool for three years, basically, because there's no places. He's in preschool, yeah. Now, I'm lucky enough that he is in an ASC. Can I ask, Jessica, can I ask you, are you on a speakerphone or something because it's a very bad quality? Yeah. Uh, I can hear you now, yes. Yes, yeah. sorry, I haven't speaking it. Um, yeah, my son, I'm lucky enough, actually, he's in an ASC preschool at the minute. But he's come to the end of their curriculum, like they've told me. There's really no more he can learn there. And I've tried, I couldn't even tell you how many schools now, now at this point. And it's just always oh, letters back, no, no, please, you don't meet the criteria. Like, I don't understand what the criteria is. I was going to say, what is the criteria? Yeah. Well, apparently, if staff come forth for a choice in the schools, then it's a catchment. Then it's like um, a lot of them like them just to have mild form of autism, mild okay. learning disabilities. It's, it's outrageous, some of the stuff. And what are what are Jessica's difficulties? What what are her difficulties? Uh, no, it's my son. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry your son's sorry, your son. Yeah, I do apologize. He, he has mild autism, so they told me. Um, now he's he's able to speak with time. I know I'm lucky. People tell me, but he still he suffers socially. He's very awkward. He sings a lot. He's very sensitive to sound. He doesn't sleep great. He, and then, like I have nephews and friends of children who are younger than them that are starting school. So if they haven't got autism, we could have a choice of school. Basically anywhere I wanted them to go, really. Yeah. And then they're saying, what class is James in? And I'll say, oh, well, he's, he's in preschool. And then 
you know, they're old enough and cute enough to say, you're still in preschool? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because kids normally start yeah. school somewhere between four and six years yeah, of age. It's yeah. not even just the school now, it's everything. Yeah. The HSE, like, I, it was a battle for me to even get my son diagnosed. The easiest part of my whole journey with autism has been me going into my public health nurse at the time when James was two, expressing that I thought he wasn't developing development as developing as well as uh, not saying not yeah, he part. wasn't reaching the milestones yeah. you and expected that was the easiest thing. He was like, that's okay we can say on there was a mother referral and that was it but from that day on everything was a battle um, like my son was diagnosed in 2019 and i had six ot sessions and that was it everything we've had we've had to pay for it which so, I don't so what so what do you what, what so what's happening to him this year now and said well this september obviously we're right we're in september back into preschool now He's gone back into preschool again. Preschool again, and like my son is not like he's not a small child. He's, he's tall. He's he's well built. He's you know. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah, the pre preschoolers in there be three and four years of age as well. Together. He doesn't look right in them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and how is he aware, or do you think he has a real awareness of you know why am I starting in school like the rest of the kids? Is he thinking like that, or has he said that to you? No, he would like he wouldn't be aware like that. But I he. He's happy to be there, but he can't really progress. And I know, like, obviously, I'm biased on his mother. I think he has great potential to progress in a primary ASC setting now where he can Of course, learn. yeah. Because he's only because what's going to happen is he'll only regress when he's back in yeah. preschool again because he's with younger children. Yeah. So it's yeah. not going to be of any benefit to him whatsoever, apart from just having him somewhere. Yeah. And keep him, uh, keeping him motivated in some way. Yeah, it's outrageous. It really is. Like, and what it, and what steps have you taken? Have you been on to your local TD, your local politician, or whatever? You... Yes, I've done it all. I've even like there's a group of us at the school, and we've been on to that one. Just Peter Madigan, like we just get automated emails back. Every like you just not everywhere you go, it's just all oh, it's just waitlist. You, you when you get your turn, and there's six places in these classrooms which. You're proud to the children going for them, you know, yeah. and then some children don't even move on. Like, I applied for a school last year for my son, and I went in, and I was like, this has to be the one. I've done everything for this now. I went in full of hope, everything gave. Like, and bear in mind, now they're taking their child, they're taking a multidisciplinary report, they're reading, they're reading everything about your child, and then to say, oh, well, you know, there's no places, but we have to do this for formality, and you're like, Sorry, what do you mean there's no places? You're dragging me through the emotional, physical, mental strain of looking for a child and yet there's no place, but you're taking all this information. Yeah. You know? You, feel, you kind of feel like you're banging your head against the wall, I imagine. Really, yeah, and you know, you have to do it all for your seno. I have my seno is the educational officer. She signs my son back into the preschool that he's in because he's under the home tuition grant. Yeah. And even this year, she was like, well, you know, James is six now. I can't find out without proof. So then we have to go and get James reassessed and pay again for him to be reassessed. Yeah, somebody did text earlier on wants to know what the Ceno was because we mentioned the Ceno with Gillian as well. For those who are not familiar with the Ceno, the Ceno is the person who basically distributes the hours that are funded by the government. So the government will fund a certain amount of hours every year for children with yeah, special needs. Yeah, yeah. and the Ceno's job is to decide who gets them essentially. Yeah. Uh, to distribute those hours. Yeah. Uh, and a tough job, by the way, I imagine, because obviously... Oh, they're they in on date, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere you're going, you hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, and you must be worried sick, Jessica. You know what, Now This was the only worry when my son was diagnosed. Autism doesn't bother me. It never bothered me. No, you can deal the with that. You can help that, yeah. Yeah, it's the lack of health and support and educational, 
like guarantee that your son or daughter is going to be put into. That's the biggest worry with everyone. Everyone, the first question someone says to you, have you got a school place for them? It's like you're, it's, it's literally like the Hunger Games. And we need to be laughing at the school saying, happy Hunger Games this year when they're looking for a place, you know. It's, that's really and that's a, and you know what? Don't get me wrong, it is your responsibility, obviously, to administrate the start of that and get them yeah. in somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, it's not your responsibility to educate. Your responsibility to educate your children. It's the state's responsibility yeah. to educate your and children. And they're entitled to an education. It's a basic fundamental right. They're entitled to an education. Well, they were, it's a constitutional right. They're entitled yeah. to an education. Uh, and and to get you know and, and I don't mean 150 miles away, but they are entitled to an education uh, at a reasonable level, you know, under their circumstances and, and based on their own circumstances. 100 miles, like, isn't that laughable that they turn that back at that lady? I can't remember her name. Gillian. Um, Gillian. Gillian. Yeah. And like they are, my senior had sent me on an email just to say I've become aware of the place in this school in Sandymount, and I'm like, okay, Sandymount. So, so you can get a transport grant, and I'm like, there's no way. Now I live over the south side of the city. There's not like my son would be nearly, I'd say, the first pick up because obviously then the, the closer pick up, then I go to the school. There's no way my son would sit on a bus for an hour and a half in the morning and yeah, then you... an hour and a half coming home. You just couldn't expect that. No, no, and you know your son better than anybody else. Yeah. I, I, and I, I drive, so I'd be willing. To and drive by, the, by the way, how even. how are you? I mean, because I, I always, when I'm listening to these stories, obviously we're listening to the story about your son and his education with Gillian, with her children as well, our two boys. But how how is it affecting you as as a person too? Because this, you know, as I said to Gillian, this must play havoc on your mental health too. It really does. Like it's so stressful. Even like when you're waiting on letters to come in the door to say you've got this, that, or the other, the lack of sleep. Like everywhere I turn, it's like there's no help. My GP wouldn't um, prescribe me melatonin for my son because he was sleeping somewhat, but he's not sleeping solid. You know, it's just everywhere you turn, it's like no, 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 or. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see down the line. You just keep pushing. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I know I'm his mother. I know I have to fight for all this, and I understand that. I have no problem doing it. But if there was a little bit of give in in everybody, some support, yes, in life would be even a little bit easier. Like even my relationship at home, me and my partner. Like sometimes we're bickering over silly things, and he's like, "What's wrong?" So why? Why? I, of course you are, because you're probably exhausted. Yeah, and then the financial strain of like the services are there, and I understand there's not enough of them for every child, every child in this country, and I've no problem paying for some of it. But you can't expect parents to keep paying sixty, seventy, eighty euro a week for speech and language, occupational therapy, wherever it may be that they need. Like you know, no, I'm no, no, well, but, okay. Well, do me a favour, hang on, because I want before the break. I just want to go to John as well. John, you're in Ireland's classic kids. You've been listening to Jessica and Gillian. Very tough situation, but you're one step further. Your son has a school place, but so what? What's the issue now? Yeah, well, you see, that's that's the thing, Niall. I mean, I I, I feel, you know, Gillian and uh, the last Jessica, there, really, Jessica, really, really, really putting forward their their situation really, really well. Um, I followed Darren and uh, Gillian on, on online on Twitter, and you know, obviously everything that's going on has been an absolute disgrace. And uh, my son, he's eleven as well. His name is Dylan, uh, uh, strong fella these days. He's um, he has a place in school. He he originally was placed in the local school. Um, we were advised by the school. Obviously, I, I won't name schools, um, that they could take him on based on his needs. And he was basically left to, I suppose, rot in school for his first year and a half. Whereby well, in, in, what, in what sense he wasn't getting yeah, the support? He was receiving no education and obviously no therapies, which is which is still the case in, in, in pretty much all schools at the moment. 
and uh, the, the school even went as far to take away his uh, communication system, which is a picture system. So, you know, the frustration, and then we were called in for meetings about bad behaviour. So we were absolutely fortunate to find another school. Do, do now, schools it, nowadays not recognise the difference between bad behaviour and a child who has special needs or autism and their behaviour? It's a little bit different now. We're talking six years ago when Dylan first had his first place. Yeah. It's a little bit different. There is more, I suppose, uh, cognizance of, of that, that kind of situation. But we, we found this other school. But it is, it, it's a 30-kilometre 30, 30 round trip a day. Um, and I, my son certainly wouldn't again sit on the bus for an hour or more each way. So, you know, we, we take that trip to school every day. Now, the school is absolutely brilliant. Uh, they're fantastic. They have loads of uh, SNAs and resources and the teacher. And, you know, Dylan is generally very happy. But for, Still, for 30 kilometres a day is a long way. Well, going, yeah. for, for, for those of us who are absolutely fortunate to have a school place, there are no plug-in therapies available. Now, I know Minister Anne Robert uh, tweeted there this morning to say that special schools, now that therapies were going to begin there. Well, my question again is, what about mainstream schools who have ASD classes within them? Like yeah. Dylan, Dylan needs speech and language. He needs physical therapy. He needs occupational therapy. He gets none of these unless we are paying for them. Now, you know, we, we would pay a speech and language class once a week. Again, 50, 60, 70 euro per week. But these therapies are non-existent. And, you know, within, within, since Dylan was diagnosed at the age of two, we've had not one hour, minute, nor day of respite. You know, but well, well, the whole thing is between yourself and Jessica there listening there, you shouldn't have to pay for this. If education is meant to be free in this country, that's part of their education. But that's it. And you know, you know, you know, to talk you talk about grieving for the child that, you know, you thought was going to grow up and be independent. Well that's it goes further than that because you see you they're 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 sitting in front of you and you know my son's eleven now, he's non verbal, he has a global developmental delay, moderate intellectual disability and and a moderate autism. And you know, with the right therapies in place, they always talk about intervention, early intervention being Absolutely. the most important thing. Of course, yeah. You know, with that in place, his life could have been very different. So now, where well, we're Well, I mean, what you're doing is you're giving him the tools to deal with life. Well, I, I, actually, I, I, I'm way behind on breaks. Do me a favour, John and Jessica, please just stay with me for a second, okay? And I do, I am sorry for interrupting both of you because I really want to hear your stories. So please stay with me for a second. Let me go back to uh, John and Jessica. Sorry, both of you. Uh, Not a problem. Okay, so John, the supports that you can't get while he's there, and, and I didn't realise, by the way, that he was non-verbal as well. So how is how does he communicate? This is what you were talking about with this pic, the, the pictures, is it? Yeah, it's, it's all the picture exchange communication system. It's called PEC, so it's basically like individual pictures where you construct the sentence onto a sentence strip. Now, because of we, we have paid for speech therapy, Dylan also does have some sounds that can approximate some words, but an awful lot of uh, the way that Dylan will communicate, he will draw his attention to something. But like, lots of what Gillian has said, like about, you know, wanting to go in the car, like Dylan likes to go see the trains. There's been times where I've gone to see the trains parked up and draw it at one o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah. where because, you know, Dylan, again, he could wake at half 12. Now, thankfully, over the last, probably six or eight months, and I, I don't even like saying it because they jinx it. He's been, he's, been, he's been sleeping really, really well, but there has been times where he could up at half twelve at night, and he'd bounce into school the next day and be like, he's going to have a bad day in school, and because he had a brilliant day, so it's half twelve at night, uh, half twelve in the morning, all the way till half eight, nine o'clock the following day, you know, and between myself and my wife, um, it's, you know... We and, and by the way, it is hard, because Jessica even mentioned that, and so did Gillian too, and I have no understanding of it to the level that you guys have of even containing a relationship, Jessica, you said it, it, it's hard because it upsets yes, your relationship, it upsets the family, Jessica, and it, it upsets everything. 
Yeah, you're literally fighting over who's going back to bed because it is that up at outrageous hours of the night. You're just yes to keep them happy, and it's not a case of just put them back into bed and turn the light off, close the door. It's not like that at all. It's just their mind is just awake, and that's it. You just have to deal with it. So the one thing that you do want the state to do for sure is to take over their education yeah. and, ta- and take it over properly. And that's what I'm hearing from both of you. It's not that you're trying to abdicate your responsibility for having a child with special needs. We all know that comes with its own uh, challenges. But I suppose it's just that one bit of the responsibility the state has, which is to educate your child. To educate the, it's to educate the child, Niall, and to provide the therapies, whether it's in the school during school time or outside the school at home or in another setting. That's there. I mean, you know, Dylan is 11. Our minds are already going to what happens when he turns 18. And beyond that, you know, like... I, and I, what, I, when, I, you, when you're thinking about that, John, because obviously, you know, I don't know, maybe he could be an academic. But generally speaking, what you're doing is you're giving him the tools to deal with life and deal with the problems that he has. So To be the, to be the person that he possibly can be. Absolutely. That's all we want. Yes. So, so what I'm saying is, when you start venturing, and I'll say this to you too, Jessica, when you start thinking forward in time, you know, of when he is 18 and he gets that point in life. And as you, and as you get older too, John and Jessica, you, we all get older, unfortunately. It's a fact of life. Those thoughts in your head too must be quite difficult for you. Well, they are. They can become very overwhelming. And uh, My health took a bad turn partly because of this with the, the pressures of everything else. And I've been on uh, kidney dialysis for the last seven years, uh, weight and transplant as well. So, you know, all of those pressures and stresses that yeah. add up to when you look forward, it was the, what, what will it be like when we're 50, 60, 70, and Dylan is 20 and 30? Will he be sitting there on his iPad, bouncing up on a trampoline? You know, and and you know, the most wonderful thing, that the only wonderful thing that I'm hearing today, by the way, and I hear it in your voice, Jessica, and I hear it in yours, John, and certainly as well in Gillian's, is the love that you have for your child and how passionate you are, you all are, about getting the best for your child, even though you're, all three of you are essentially sacrificing your own lives and your own lifestyles around that. Because, Jessica, you've accepted that, obviously, you know, he has special needs and he does need that extra help throughout his life. Yeah, literally, I like that, the future. Sometimes I don't even want to speak that far ahead. You don't want to think that far ahead. You can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Like, will he have a job? Will he have a partner? Will he maintain friendships? You know, it's, it's just everything is a worry. Every single thing, and I think th- things that he, the kids are entitled to, like an education, shouldn't be a worry. You know, that, well, that shouldn't be exactly. All those other things, yes, unfortunately, are the worries of life and the worries of of a parent with a child with special needs or autism. But uh, his education or her education, whatever the case may be, shouldn't be part of that worry. That should be the state's concern. And that's um, exactly it. That's exactly it, Niall. You know, and what I what I would say is, to, I mean, I doubt, I doubt there's probably uh, people in government listening, but if they are. They only have to know one thing. We absolutely will not stop ever fighting no, for our children. Never. Until, the, until our last breath is gone, we will not stop. But they need to know that. This government, the next government, this is not a political issue for us. Okay? It's very clear. So this that. is it's a matter of life and death, yes. That's exactly it. It's about the quality of life of a child. Yeah. And, you know, you grieve for the child, as I said, that's lost. But our lives are lost as well on this journey. No, I wouldn't change Dylan as a No, 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 I know. I understand what, what you're I saying. Want, you know, I want and need these services for him. Yeah. So when I am old, I know that he has been, you know, he has been attended to, his needs have been met and he's been looked after. And that's just a, okay. the state, the state, not the government, the state has failed us. Okay, well said, John. Listen, John, I wish you luck, Jessica, I wish you luck and Gillian, who was on earlier on too, I wish you all well and every parent around the country who's texting in in a similar, I'd love to get you all of the air, but unfortunately we don't have the time to do that. But I think the message has been loud and clear today. 
Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Oh,